This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's Jan. Welcome back to the Langpreneur podcast. Hope you had a good week. I had a good week. Um, just a little bit busy, working on lots of things, lots of changes happening um, with Langpreneur. You will be able to see the first results of that in, well, more or less a month or two months from now. We'll talk more about that later. But the beginning of this week was a little, was a little bit tough for me personally because I had to, I had to inform the people who signed up for the mastermind, uh, the Langpreneur mastermind, it was supposed to take place at the end of September. Um, yeah, and I had to tell those guys that we uh, had to postpone the event because it was just too challenging. I mean, as organizers, we knew that we were taking a risk by organizing <laughs> a live event during these COVID times, right? But we really wanted to try hard and we tried really hard. But in the end, we came to the conclusion that it was just not ideal for uh, for you guys. I mean, some of you guys signed up and were really happy to come, but we also had a long list of people who wanted to come but just couldn't commit because of, well, all the travel restrictions. Um, like many of us have to do a COVID test before getting on a flight to Greece, for example. Then some of the flights were suspended from the cities that if, you know, some of the participants would fly from. Um, changes, you know, the restrictions, travel restrictions are changing all the time. So it's really hard for what's what's going to happen over the next month. So we came to the conclusion that it would probably be better to postpone the event. Um, so I actually just confirmed the new dates with the villa that we booked like 30 minutes ago. So if you have a successful online language business, you're doing this full time and you would like to meet, network, have a good time with all the like-minded Langpreneurs and make sure to go to our website langpreneur.com forward slash mastermind to learn how we uh, how you how you can join us so the event is going to take place the 25th to the 30th of april next year and it's going to take place in crete we booked a new villa which looks even more stunning than the one that we uh, we booked originally um yeah so that's just a quick update from what has been on my mind this week um yeah and then let's talk about today's interview because if you are if you are a teacher you know you've been teaching in person and especially during covid i know that there is many of you guys you thinking about you know ways to take your business online well then if that's the case, then you're going to love this episode today because today I'm talking to Vanessa from Speak English with Vanessa. Vanessa has a huge YouTube channel. I think it's about two and a half million subscribers by now. And um, yeah, but originally she um, she was actually, she, she used to teach English in schools in the United States, also in South Korea for a while. And when she came back to the States, she uh, took her business online. And uh, she has been, she you know, the whole thing has been a massive, a massive success for her. Um, 
she did not do everything by herself. She had a mentor who basically showed her the path to building an online language business. So in this episode today, we're going to learn more about Vanessa's story. We're going to talk about the value of finding a mentor, um, you know, why consistency is so important and how it has helped Vanessa to build her language business. Um, she's also going to give us you know, a look behind the scenes of how her business works and um, the structure of her, her courses. I think this can be, you know, this can give you guys some inspiration just in case you're thinking about ways to monetize your platform because she has a very interesting um, concept there that has been working very well for her business. Um, yeah, and of course, Vanessa is going to share all her best tips and all the strategies, everything, her best lessons that she has learned on this wildly successful journey. So if you guys are ready, then let's get started. Here is my interview with Vanessa. Hey, Vanessa, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. Um, yeah, feel free to take a few minutes to introduce yourself to the people who don't know you. Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Vanessa, and I have a website called speakenglishwithvanessa.com where I teach English to pretty much anyone around the world who is interested in expanding their English skills with the YouTube channel or with courses and just, yeah, helping them to feel more confident with their English skills. Mm -hmm. So how do you get started teaching? Like, do you get started on YouTube or did you work as a teacher before yeah. you got started on YouTube? I worked as an English teacher in a regular English, American English classroom teaching American kids in middle and high school. And that was teaching literature, grammar, writing. It wasn't this teaching English as a second language type of thing. And I enjoyed that. I love words and language and all of that, but I kind of wanted to shift to something a little bit more international because I love the cultural aspect of it too. So uh, after a year of that, I, with my husband, we went to South Korea to teach English for three years. And that was mainly to kids, but I did some teaching with adults on the side. And that is really where I felt this spark inside of me. It's a totally different animal to teach adults versus kids. Kids are just kind of there. They're not sure why they're in the classroom and you're just trying to have this fun atmosphere and keep them engaged. But with adults, they have a real motivation, a real goal. If they don't like your classes, they can leave. And that's really scary as a teacher. But I loved that challenge that I have to make this lesson really useful, really practical and enjoyable so that they come back. <laughs> so after doing some of those adult classes on the side, I remember I was riding on my bike back to my apartment in Korea and I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to teach adults, but I'm not going to live in Korea forever. So how could I do this in the U.S.? And it is quite challenging if you don't want to be part of a school system to teach English as a career. <laughs> um, I didn't really I wanted to do my own thing. I felt lots of freedom and excitement creating my own lessons and having that type of flexibility. So I just searched on the internet how to teach English in the US and I found a lot of school type resources, but I also found uh, a website, how to teach English online. <laughs> and that really just 
helped me to find a lot of resources. I dove deep into that and spent all night the next couple of days researching about it and thought, yeah, I'm going to give this a try. Why not? I have no experience with the online world, but it's, yeah, it's a new thing. Give it a try. <laughs> yeah. So the idea was really to, to teach online, like after you came back from Korea. Yeah. Yeah. So after we left Korea, uh, we weren't sure which city we were going to live in, in the U.S. So we kind of did a little tour of a couple cities. And in one of those cities is where uh, the guy who had the blog about how to teach English online, um, he's Jack Askew. He lives in Asheville, where I live. And yeah. I found him and said, hey, I saw you're living in one of the cities that we're thinking about living in. Can we meet up? And thankfully, he said yes. And we met up and just meeting someone in person who did this and did yeah. it successfully, it just made it seem so much more real and doable. <laughs> and we ended up living here and we met up every couple weeks and having someone just to say, yes, you're just in your house by yourself, trying to make videos, trying to find customers, trying to find students, but it will work. Having someone that had been there before yeah. was amazing. That helped so much for my morale <laughs> and yeah. helped me to keep going. So yeah, that's kind of the beginning stages of how all of this began. Yeah. So so when did this happen? Was this like five, six years ago or for how long have you been doing this independently? Yeah, I, that was about 2000, the end of 2014. And I didn't, I kind of started, I made one or two videos at the end of that year, but I didn't really start trying to find any kind of paying student until mm. about 2000 beginning 2015 yeah. when we were settled in our new city yeah so what were some of the most important lessons that you learned from from jack right like when you got started yeah like what were some I, of the things that you learned you implemented and that really helped you yeah um, especially at the beginning my experience had only been with teaching and how to create lessons and i'm still learning that i'm still learning that all the time but that lesson side and seeing from him that oh, I need to know about email marketing. I need to know about the tech side of things, how to find students through SEO or through all these different mediums that I had not thought about. The marketing business side of that wasn't on my radar at all. And thankfully I was open to trying it and just seeing what happens, but really being open to not thinking, I'm not good at tech. I don't know anything about this, but being open to that and realizing you can make it really simple. You can make it as complicated as you want, but you can make it simple and make it work. But that was kind of an eye-opener yeah. <laughs> that oh, I do need to know that side as well. Yeah, so you didn't, I mean, you just came back from Korea. Did you have an audience at the time or like how do you find your first students? Was it, like, did you go to platforms where students are already actively looking for a teacher or was this the beginning? Was this when you started your YouTube channel? Like how did you find your first students? Yeah, I started a YouTube channel at the very beginning because I saw, I'd been following a bunch of other English teachers during that couple month period when I came up with the idea and then tried to implement it. And at that time, even five years ago, I thought, oh, there's so many great people already doing this. I'm not sure. Can I break into this? Let's just give it a try, see what happens. I filmed a couple videos on my really old smartphone, just, you know, sitting on the side of the road talking about something. And I saw that videos, at least in the comments of other people's videos, that was a really good medium for people seeing you, realizing that you're a real person and trusting you because they see you and they can 
judge if you're going to just, you know, make them feel uncomfortable during a Skype call or if they're going to make you feel great and be able to actually learn something that video was a good way to convey who you are. Mm -hmm. So even though I, (laughs) the videos I made way back when are not so awesome, but they just showed at least who I was in a not very polished way, but that's okay. So those videos helped find a couple students at the very beginning. Uh, I found a couple students through word of mouth. Um, These were mainly Skype students at the time. I was teaching one-on-one lessons for probably the first two years. And I found people through YouTube, found people through like word of mouth in my city. There is a big, uh, where I grew up, there's a big French speaking population. And I had some connections there because I also speak French. So trying to find those people, but yeah, mainly the internet through those YouTube videos that a couple people trickled through and said, yeah, let's give it a try. Let's speak on Skype and see what happens. Yeah. So, I mean, today you run a huge YouTube channel, right? It's one of the bigger for, um, well, for people who want to learn English. I think you have around two and a half million subscribers there. So how was growth at the beginning? Like, did it take a long time for you to, to find your first students? Because, you know, for any, every, for the listeners, like everyone who has started a YouTube channel, growth is very slow at the beginning, right? Like getting your first 50, 100 subscribers takes a while. So I can't imagine that getting your first students also takes a while. Like how long did it take? Tell us a little bit about the beginning stages. Yeah. So at the beginning of my YouTube channel, it was very slow and steady. (laughs) I feel like what helped when I was talking with, with Jack, my mentor, was that, yes, you just need to be consistent. You need to have good content, but you need to be consistent. So I kind of just made a goal for myself. I had no other job at the time, no other job prospects, so I threw myself into it. But I made a goal that I'm going to try to have two videos. At some point, I said three, and then it went back down to two, but two videos every week for a year, and let's just see what happens. And I don't remember the exact numbers after the first year, but it was enough people that I felt like, okay, people are enjoying what I'm offering. And percentage wise, there's enough students coming in. But during the first year, I also worked for uh, a online one-on-one Skype company, um, Cafe Talk. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like italki type stuff, but with Japanese students. And that was was helpful for my morale (laughs) because I felt like these students are really enjoying the lessons I'm offering but I just need to have better marketing so they can find me. So as YouTube grew, then I could lessen those classes that I taught there and more students were on through my own website. Um, I feel like the big boost on YouTube came when YouTube launched their live feature when you could teach live lessons. And at that time when they did that, I hopped on board immediately and did, I think, two live lessons every week plus one pre-recorded edited video. And those two live lessons each were like 30 minutes. If I see my analytics <laughs> at that time, it just really shot up because people were engaged. They were excited to see that, oh, I was reading their comments. And you know maybe those numbers are a lot less than they are now, but that really helped to yeah. have engagement. And maybe not everyone was doing that kind of live content at yeah. the time. So was something new (laughs) yeah and yeah it's helpful for me too to see that feedback instant feedback on what I was doing 
Yeah, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and one advice that, that that's being shared very often is that as soon as a platform like YouTube or Instagram, as soon as they come with a new function, that you should you know try to do it from the beginning because they want like YouTube and those other platforms, they want to know if if it works well, right? If people like it, so they tend mm. to to promote your content so that they can get some 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 data. So yeah. You, you feel that that has really helped like was that very intentionally or do you want to try it anyway or again was this was this your mentor yeah i think it was a little bit of both that i wanted to try it it was also a little bit easier for me (laughs) because i had an outline of what i wanted to say but i could also go with the flow i didn't have to edit anything it was almost more like teaching a real class of students because there's an idea of what you want to talk about but it wasn't so structured and it could, you know, depend on what people were saying in the chat box. It was a little more flexible. So that was really enjoyable, but then everything kind of changed (laughs) when my husband and I decided to start a family. I realized Mm -hmm. I can't do live lessons like this on Skype as often. I can't be on Skype seven hours a day. This is not sustainable for me, for our family. And then doing live lessons on YouTube. Um, I actually, I'm not sure what I clicked on on YouTube. I think there was like a pop-up that came up on the behind the scenes uh, editing software in YouTube that said, uh, do you want to talk with someone in YouTube? We're doing like a six week mentorship program. Mm. I'm sure. So I clicked on it and they kind of helped me to realize you should keep going on your YouTube channel. Just kind of gave some tips. But through that, I realized, oh, the other videos I'm making that are pre-recorded and edited are at this point doing just as well as the live videos. So I could do those edited videos and still have the same engagement as the live videos with a family. So I wouldn't have to completely disregard what had been working. At that Mm. point, they'd both kind of evened out. So Mm. yeah, that change in my personal life really affected our business as well. Mm -hmm. We always recommend people who want to get started in YouTube or any other platform to choose a niche, something that they can do better than anyone else out there. Um, I mean, you started six years ago. I guess there was much less competition. Um, like, did you have a niche or a special approach in your videos back in the day, or didn't you worry so much about it because there was almost nobody who was doing, who was teaching English? Yeah. That's it's funny that you say there maybe wasn't as much competition back then because. I agree. There's definitely more people on YouTube nowadays, but at the time I felt like, oh, there's so many people who are doing this already. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And at the time I didn't really have a specific niche, but I did kind of have the mindset that my style of telling something and teaching something, even if it's similar content is bound to be different because I'm a different person. And that's Mm -hmm. very a very vague niche that my niche is just my way of telling things, but focusing on, I'm not really into business English that much. I'm not really into exam English. I don't have much experience with that. I didn't feel qualified to explain about that, but helping people who just wanted to learn English, conversational English and have more confidence, have more fun (laughs) with English. That is a very vague category and very general, but I felt like the way that I speak and explain things is going to be different the way other people do it. And let's just see what happens. <laughs> if I need yeah. to make that a little bit more narrow in the future, could always do that. But yeah. so far, so good. <laughs> and has your approach on YouTube changed over the last six years? Or are you still doing the same thing as what you did like six years ago when you got started? 
Yeah, it seems like there have been a lot of waves coming and going. There is the try to do a couple videos a week, uh, especially based on some hot topics that I felt like my Skype students always had problems with. So some key problems. And a lot of those videos seem to focus on you know, one expression each or one concept each. And then after a while, I was doing the live lessons. And then through that, I realized, you know what, maybe I don't need to create as much content every week. <laughs> maybe mm -hmm. I can just do one video a week and then make it a little bit better quality, maybe mm -hmm. a little more polished. I don't know if that was just my ego that I wanted it to look nicer, <laughs> but if felt nice to focus on YouTube and try to make, you know, the video nicer, make that one video I made a week, what I would think is better, <laughs> at least yeah. better content. But I feel like now I don't necessarily make one, a video just about, Hey, here's this one idiom that I taught my students in Skype last week. Instead, it's going to be more about, you know, 10 idioms that we use in daily life, things like this, that might be a little bit bigger videos with a little bit more content, trying to focus it a little bit, but mm. yeah, it has shifted, but overall still daily conversational English material. Mm. How do you pick the topics for your videos? Do you do keyword research or do you just answer your students' questions or did you have a special technique or strategy or, or not really? Yeah, there's times when I have a lot of ideas. There's times when there are less ideas. <laughs> I keep a running list of things as they pop up in my mind. Um, but if I am at a moment where there's a dearth of ideas, then I go on YouTube and go to, you know, other English videos and see, okay, what kind of topics have been popular, especially for example, if I'm looking at someone else's channel and I see, okay, this video has 20,000 views. Another one has 20,000, 30,000, 20,000, 500,000. Okay. What is that topic? Is that something that I feel fits my channel? Is it something that I can put into my own words in a different mm -hmm. way, but take that idea in a way and see if I can utilize that. And that helps to kind of fill in the blanks if I'm <laughs> getting some writer's block. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of writing involved in YouTube and creating videos. Yeah. So the idea is really not to, to copy other people's idea, but to see what's working and then basically create your own version if you feel that the topic fits your, well, it's suitable for your audience and fits what you want to, what you want to teach. Yeah. Yeah. And occasionally I try to just have some conversations. Uh, like I'll just sit on the porch. I made one the other day. I sat on the porch with my husband and we talked about birthdays because that video was going to come out on my birthday. So just having a conversation and then I'll put in some vocabulary that we said in the video and it's not a specific lesson per se, but it's, just helping people to feel like they're there with you on the porch, mm -hmm. listening and speaking in a conversation. So there's a lot of different possibilities are endless, but whenever I need some ideas, I just say, Hey, let's just have a conversation and see what comes of it. Yeah. So the first year when you got started, um, the idea was really to, you know, to create this YouTube channel, you know, as a, as a tool to attract new students. Um, like, did you have a, a bigger goal at the time or a bigger vision of where the business could be in a few years from then? Or yeah. Um, I, I had been following, you know, some other types of websites like um, Pat Flynn's smart passive income, stuff like that. Thinking about how other entrepreneurs had made it work in the long run for their business. I never really 
thought that a business can be completely passive. <laughs> you have to be involved in it partially at least, but that idea that I could create a body of work and that this could continue working for students and also continue working for us was very attractive in a lifestyle sense. Um, for me, I wanted to be able to spend as much time with my kids and uh, eventually my husband was actually able to quit his job and he works with me full time. Oh, really? um, we both parent full time and work full time on our English mm. business. So that idea that that was potentially possible was very attractive. Spend a lot of time with the people I care about, especially in this period of time when they're very small kids. That's yeah. uh, important to me. That's really interesting that, you, that you're doing this together with your husband. So how are the tasks divided? Like you do the content creation and, and he runs like the business or how does it work? Yeah, at the beginning when we were thinking about how to make this work for our time, <laughs> because he was going off to work and I was watching our one-year-old, or he was less than one-year-old, about one-year-old when he quit his job. Uh, so during that first year, I was also watching him and trying to make videos. and I was just overwhelmed, but the business was doing really well. So we thought it is not economically feasible or good for us to be having two incomes when we could both be working on this and, you know, he could take a temporary break, whatever happens, he could always go back if we need to and just see how this works. Um, so when that happened, we tried to brainstorm, how can my husband who had those years teaching in Korea, he's not you know, a professional teacher or anything, but actually make a really strong contribution to the business instead of just you know, working for your wife, like really doing something <laughs> that he felt would be you know, a good contribution to speak English with Vanessa. So we decided that I would focus on the YouTube side, which every week is something different. It's not, it's like creating your own little movie every week, <laughs> something very various. But on the course side, every month we have a monthly, a monthly subscription course. And every month that those lessons are kind of mirror images of each other. So he basically creates the whole course. I'm still recording it. I still do some of the technical like grammar stuff, but he will, he's in charge of the entire Fearless Fluency Club is the name of the course. That's kind of his baby. Yeah. <laughs> so he does a lot of that. Okay. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about your courses because in the beginning, well, you were just teaching students one-on-one. When do you make the transition from trading your time for money to selling online courses? Sure. Um, I actually made a f my first course quite early on just to see what would happen. <laughs> I figured if something's out there, maybe someone will buy it and it will be, could be a new future. <laughs> so I made a course a long time ago and it went okay, but I thought, felt like it could do something a little more uh, specific or maybe something a little more sustainable in the long run, not just a one-off course. So I did a lot of research about what other, specifically other English teachers were offering as far as, um, there's one model I felt like was the one course, one main master course model where you have, you know, a subscription or something like this that you focus completely on. And then the other models, you know, you have a phrasal verb course, a pronunciation course, a listening course, all of these 10 courses, and then hope that the same students will buy those and that you'll have new students. I didn't really feel from a marketing perspective as attracted to that model. I felt like I could focus on one course, one 
style of creating lessons and not perfect it. That sounds a little too braggy, (laughs) but, you know, try to do that better and better every month. And so I tried to brainstorm (laughs) how that could work as far as uh, language. You're always learning. So it's not, I didn't want to do this just from a money perspective. Like I want a subscription course so that people will just continue buying every month. I think with language, you're always learning. So it is normal (laughs) and natural to always have something new that you can be learning. So it's not just stay in my course every month. Um, I wanted to feel like I had integrity (laughs) about Mm -hmm. the business as well. So the subscription course, the Fearless Fluency Club, I started to create that when we were thinking about having a baby. And then I made the first lesson set and sold that the first month. And it did well enough (laughs) that I thought, okay, I think that this is sustainable enough that we can start a family and do this as well. And then I can eventually wean myself away from Skype lessons, even though I loved my Skype students. They're so great. (laughs) But I could wean myself away from that and focus just on the Fearless Fluency Club course creation. And that's what happened. Amazing. (laughs) It's kind of surprising to me still. Wow. Congratulations. And how was, just to give the people, the listeners some perspective, like, do you remember how big the channel or the mailing list was back, back when you started selling courses? Yeah. Oh, I should have probably looked that up in advance. Um, (laughs) I, that was 2016. 2016 was at the end of the year was when I first made the, I launched the course. Um, maybe like 20,000 people on my mailing list. I don't remember for YouTube. Uh, I'd say 98% of people who buy something from me buy it because they clicked on a link in an email. So the mailing list to me is kind of the factor that says, okay, this is your real body of students, (laughs) the potential customers. Um, Yeah. So, but at that point when I saw, okay, a good percentage of people are interested in this, And it's actually helping them, which is also important, not just to sell something, (laughs) to make it important to them and useful. And that I could keep it up every month. I mean, making 12 big lesson sets every year (laughs) is a big to do, but that I felt like I could keep it up seemed like a good career trajectory. (laughs) Like every month you release new lessons for the people in that academy. Yes. So every month I have a new lesson set that comes out on the first day of the month. And the premise of the course, maybe you already asked this and I evaded your question. I'm not sure. But the premise is that each month I interview somebody who about their passion. So for example, this month in August, I interviewed a wedding planner Hmm. and she just talked about her experience with being a wedding planner and different little stories. Sometimes there's extra opportunities to you know, tour their workplace or something like that. So for this month, I went to her, the place where she works, where she plans the weddings at that destination. And I, you know, recorded around where she films Mm. just so people can see. And from that 30 minute conversation, uh, it's Dan, my husband's job to pull out about 20 expressions or new vocabulary words from that conversation. And we will take that and have a vocabulary lesson based on that so we'll take each word and we'll sit together and kind of chit chat about each word and how we would use it it's planned but it's also kind of go with the flow so they can see a casual conversation about how to use you know different expressions and then Mm -hmm. we'll that's like the conversation lesson 
is my lesson interview with somebody. And then a vocabulary lesson is that. And then we'll also have a grammar lesson, which originally was based on like a grammatical concept. But I felt like a lot of students who joined in 2019, they don't have access to the past material. So a lesson that I taught in 2017, Hmm. they wouldn't be able to see what that grammatical concept was to kind of build on it. So I felt like that was not working so much. So now the grammar lesson is phrasal verbs. (laughs) So we'll choose some phrasal verbs from the conversation and talk about those. I add like video clips and uh, song clips that include that. And then there's a pronunciation lesson where we'll take a couple sentences from the original conversation and then break it down sound by sound, how to say that sentence just to help with real English, each of those facets of English. And Mm. a lot of students like talk together every month Uh, We have a really active, fun Facebook group where people are always meeting up and I chat with them and we have, I make a live Facebook lesson every Sunday. So they kind of get to interact with me as well. Mm. But it is, it's a lot, but at the same time, it's not a nine to five job. So Mm. it is uh, our family effort. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's nice. You can create something, you know, like build a business with your family. We'll love to do that someday. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> I, have to co- I have to convince my wife, but yeah, who knows? I mean, <laughs> so um, you had another question. Um, oh yeah. So what, what happens with all the, with all the old lessons, like from 2016, 17, 18, like you save, do you save everything somewhere in an online yeah. library or? They're, they're saved on my computer. <laughs> At the moment, there are two options. You can join monthly and you get access to like the current lesson set when you join so if somebody joined in June they and they continue paying, they've got June, July, August, yeah. but they don't have access to May, April, all of that. But if someone wants to access all of the past material, there is an unlimited option, which oh, is okay. it's usually $35 a month, but they can buy all of the past stuff and all of the future stuff as long as the course continues oh, really? for a fixed price. And it's, I think it's like $500. Yeah. But at the moment, even though it's a big upfront cost, it's actually cheaper than buying each of the 30 lesson sets for $35. So yeah. for the past stuff, it's worth it. And then as long as the course continues, that's like a fixed price. Yeah. And yeah, I'm always trying to kind of reinvent that because I don't know, it might be nice to have other options, but I want to limit choices. If I had yeah. every lesson set for sale, that's kind of yeah. overwhelm for students. Which one should I buy? What's going on? So we've got two options at this point, but I'm open to other ideas. <laughs> yeah. So could you give us a look behind the scenes of Speak English with Vanessa? Like, how does the business work? Someone goes to your YouTube channel, they watch your videos, they like it. And then what, what's the next step? What's the yes. process? So very early on, I decided that I wanted to be extremely clear. This is also what uh, Jack told me at the very beginning. Make sure you have an email list. This is where your students will come from. <laughs> and I just trusted that that would be true. So at the end of every YouTube video, there is a call to action. There's like a little screen that comes up that says, the next step is to download my free ebook. And I have like a 30-page PDF that outlines kind of my method for learning language and you know, changing your mindset from the textbook style to kind of what we're all immersed in in our daily lives for learning Mm. language, but a lot of people are not used to that. So they download that and then they start receiving two weeks worth of automated emails that 
go through kind of a cheerleading process. Like, all right, you had this kind of negative experience before, but you got it. Here's what you can do in the future. And here's how I'm going to help you. Part of that and something that I listened to, and I'm not even sure what podcast a long time ago, but part of that is that each email has an option. Even if it's just PS, do you want to be my student? Click here. Something very small, but there's an option for them to go further and to purchase. And they don't receive any kind of direct sales emails until at least a week and a half in of other emails. Um, But I went in one of the podcasts I listened to, they said, just give an opportunity. You doesn't have to be big and blatant right away. You downloaded my ebook, buy all my stuff. (laughs) It's just, you know, something, just an option because not everyone will buy. That's fine. (laughs) I understand Mm -hmm. that. It's not for everyone, but for those who do want to immediately dig deeper, there's that option. Um, It's like a short... It's like a shortcut in a sales process, right? Because some people yeah. are ready to buy right now. So yeah, you should always give that option to those people. Okay. Yeah. What happened what happened next? So is that it? Like you try to so after one week and a half, you you pitch them the uh, the academy or the membership? Yes. So they get a couple emails about the course. And then depending on what they click, I've got all this complicated stuff going on in active campaign <laughs> where they get different tags and then they'll get other emails if they clicked on anything related to the course, they'll get some more serious emails about, okay, here's a breakdown of stuff. Here's FAQ, Mm. all of that stuff, instead of just two sales emails that they would get anyway. Um, And then if they choose to purchase, they're in the course, they get those course emails and then the course material. If they choose not to, then after that two week automation, I send a new email every Friday I have a new YouTube every, new YouTube video every Friday. So I send an email with some kind of lesson related to that YouTube video. Yeah. So it's a lesson related to that in the email. And then at the bottom, it's like, oh, check out my new YouTube video. Here's yeah. a link yeah. to send them to that. But there's also a little section at the bottom that has um, a conditional tag on it in the email. If someone has purchased the course, they don't see it. Mm. But if someone has not purchased it, they'll see a little thing that says, oh, this is the second week to learn with the August lesson set about weddings. Uh, click here to you know, join the course, yep. some little thing like that. So that's, I'm, I want to offer good information to people who want it, but for people who have not, people who have purchased the course, I don't want to keep pushing, hey, you should join the course, but they're already part of the course. So trying to figure out all that tech stuff to make that work. Yeah. I think help students feel like, okay, she's not yeah. just trying to sell me something. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds like a, yeah, a solid online business. So do you think that you would have been able to achieve all of these things that you achieve without a mentor or would the process been, have been much slower? Like how useful was it for you to, um, to have a mentor or to know someone who had done it before? I think I probably, I can't say I would have quit it's really hard for me to give up something when I've put a lot into it, even if it hasn't been going so well at the beginning. But I think that was really, really useful. Even if it was, he gave lots of useful specific tips, like start an email list. Here's the software that I use, those types of things. But even if it was just for the morale side to say like someone did this, yes, it took time, but I can do it too. 
knowing that like, I've only ever met two people in real life who do this online mm, English really? teaching job. Wow. He's one of them. And then there's a lady, Shana, she teaches on a website called Espresso English. I met her a couple years ago and it was so amazing. I felt so good <laughs> knowing real people do this because it's hard at the beginning. You, if you're trying to find people, how do I find people? Do I send messages on social media? What it's just, you can kind of be like grasping at straws sometimes, but when you meet someone who really does it, it feels so concrete. <laughs> so yeah, that was really helpful. I can't say what it would have been like otherwise, but I feel very grateful that that happened. So because of him, usually when, hopefully I won't get 50 million emails now, but usually when people send me emails saying, hey, I'm starting out, uh, can you give me some tips? I've like emailed and sometimes Skyped with, I don't know, like 20 or 30 people in the past All couple right. years. Whoa. It's nothing too serious except, oh, hey, I have some questions. How did you do this? And I'll just respond if yeah. I have some time, <laughs> but yeah. I think I'm trying to also give back a little like, Oh yeah, yeah. this is possible if you want <laughs> to do yeah. it. That's really nice. So what would you recommend people to do? Like people who are looking for a mentor, just send an email that you, as you just said, or there are some I, other things that you've done in the past that have helped. Yeah. I feel like I was really lucky to stumble upon <laughs> Jack, <laughs> but if there is somebody who you really look up to in your sphere it's not a problem to try to contact them but i have some tips <laughs> if you want that person to respond because like me it's not my job to help teachers become online teachers my job is to teach students so if that person were to respond to you it would just be from the goodness of their heart <laughs> from their free time so if you would like to just contact someone who you look up to, there's a chance they might not respond just because they're busy. Don't take it personally. That just happens. Or if they say, no, I'm too busy. Don't take it personally. But some tips that might help would be be specific about yeah. who they are. Like, oh, I saw this stuff that you've been doing. I love the way that you talk to students. And I watched this one video and I saw this comment that someone said, and you're really, really specific that, mm. hey, I know who you are. Mm. Not just, hi, Vanessa. <laughs> yeah. I like your videos. Let's yeah. talk. <laughs> but very specific so that they feel like, oh, this is worth my time. And you're actually motivated to do this. Um, yeah, someone, something specific. Specific questions help. Like, hey, I do you do any... What, what do you do for marketing or do you have an email list or mm. what kind of camera do you use? Something, you don't have to ask that specifically, but mm. you know, those kind of specific questions are easy to answer and doable. So yeah, keeping it specific and being respectful of the other person's time yeah. <laughs> that they don't owe it to you to talk with you. But if they want to know that, okay, this is a really valuable thing. I need this like 30 minutes to talk with them. I'm going to be as like clear and helpful and useful as I can because that could really change their life, but you need to respect the other person's time too. <laughs> mm. So what are the most important shifts, like mindset shifts that you made or that you have made over the last five, six years running Speak English with Vanessa? Mm. Because, you know, figuring out how to do everything yeah. That's that's one challenge, of course, but then also like having the right mindset, like not being afraid to sell. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, maybe being disciplined, like all that kind of stuff. Like, did you have 
do you have to make a lot of changes in your mindset or are you naturally quite good at these things? <laughs> no, uh, I think I'm, I'm naturally motivated to like self-motivated. If I want to do something, then I usually try to do it. But on the other hand, being disciplined with my time is not always easy. I think that it's true. I don't know the, the proverb, but that your activity expands to fit the time that you have. So before kids, I had all day, I could just film a video and write a video. And now I have maybe an hour <laughs> and I have to whip it out. So being disciplined with time and not procrastinating is really important so that I can fit my priorities. Um, something I'm constantly working on is trying to balance my work life, work personal life mm -hmm. balance because I'm working from home. Um, my husband is my business partner. So our relationship is very complex. We have to be business partners. We have to be romantic partners. We have to be caregivers for our children. Um, we have to be individuals too. So trying to negotiate that relationship takes a lot of communication. And yeah, we have to be constantly catching ourselves if we're, you know, falling into bad relationship patterns or anything like that. Just try yep. to keep up with that. Um, mindset shifts. I'm trying to think about uh, how I can best answer your question without yeah, like <laughs> going some, off track. Like, like some people are really, you know, really afraid to get started on YouTube, for example, mm. because they are afraid to be hated or receive, you know, comments from, from trolls. And then there is other people out there who, who don't like selling. Yeah. Or like having a call to action, pitching a product. Mm. Um, like, do you ha have any of these challenges or not? Yeah, really? I feel like for selling, once I realized that I'm not just trying to, maybe it's being a teacher, but like, I'm not just trying to make money. I do want to make money. I do want this to be my career. It is supporting our family. It's very important that this is financially viable. But at the same time, I also know that my free YouTube videos, the courses are absolutely helping people. And it's not just they're buying something, they're wasting their money, whatever. This is helpful, even if it's not perfect. It is definitely not perfect. Um, sometimes I can be a perfectionist, sometimes not. My husband is more of a perfectionist than I am about that. <laughs> but even if it's not perfect, it is still helping people. And that helps me to sell, not every single day, but being okay saying, hey, you should buy this because you know what? You're already on this list because you are in this place mentally. You want to learn English. You've already opened enough of my emails that you're still interested in learning English. And you know what? This course is really going to help you. I, I think a lot of people have some self-doubt that how can I create something that will be useful to people that they'll feel like it's worth their money. Um, especially in the international sphere where $35 a month could be like $200 a month, depending on the exchange rate and all of that. But if people, when people started to buy things and they, whether it was Skype lessons or courses, and I got that positive feedback, it really helped to ease my mind that, okay, this is helpful. And I shouldn't be concerned about sending a sales email, like at the end of every month, a couple days until the end of the month, like the 28th or 27th, I send a sales email to everybody who hasn't purchased or is not currently in the Fearless Fluency Club. 
And that sales email brings in the majority of my new sales every month. And it's just once a month, but it is a pure sales email. Here's information about the course. Mm -hmm. Here's the price. Here's how you'll benefit once a month. And because there is a relatively high purchase rate from that email, I'm realizing this is what people want. People, I've attracted the right people (laughs) who are looking at this. So it's okay. They want this and they're enjoying it. So yeah. Sometimes yeah. we're really underestimating our own work, right? I mean, it's the same thing with this podcast, for example. Sometimes mm-hmm. you do an interview and I'm like, yeah, I'm not really sure if this is going to help our audience. But then mm-hmm. right after the interview goes live, like the emails start coming in. Well, I'm yeah, life changer. Well, this really helps. I'm like, well, okay. So I'm doing a good thing. And those, yeah, you know, call it like the positive feedback loop. Like every time you receive a comment or an email, it's like, you know, people are paying for it. And they're so happy to. Yeah to to give you money and get the product or the well the, the service the product in our case in exchange so yeah um, yeah i feel like the um i forget what i was going to say the biggest oh yes that, that's what i always tell my students whenever they write even a kind comment on youtube like hey i love this video that might seem so simple but it really is this positive feedback loop where whenever i see that someone found an expression that I taught them in a movie and they say, Hey, Vanessa, I found that expression and I understood it because of your video. That changes everything. That makes me feel like I can keep going. (laughs) It's okay. Even when I'm low on sleep, (laughs) trying to write a YouTube video or write a lesson Mm -hmm. that really helps. So keep sending positive feedback. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, sure. Um, A few final, yeah, a few more questions. Um, Yeah, why do you think your YouTube channel grew faster or became one of the bigger YouTube channels? Why do you think your YouTube channel succeeded and many others didn't? Um, I feel like the the main thing is just I was consistent. (laughs) I mean, making two videos a week for five years is not easy. It takes a lot. There's so many ideas. There's endless ideas for what you could talk about, but to actually do it, that takes a lot of um, motivation. And I think that just keeping it up, of course, the content has to be at least mediocre, (laughs) but to keep it up and realize I can count on this. I'm going to keep getting material from them over the last six years, five, six years, I've seen a lot of people come on YouTube and then leave YouTube. Maybe they didn't see the feedback right away that they wanted, or they weren't able to commit to that, but sticking with it for that long, it might even be three years before you see any kind of significant growth, but really sticking with it, I think has been Mm -hmm. my uh, forte. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So like today you have one of the big, the biggest YouTube channels for uh, people who want to learn English, but maybe you're also one of the very few people who actually managed to put out at least two videos per week for like <laughs> five years consistently. Right. So it yeah, takes a lot a, of, yeah, a lot of, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> you have to be able to constantly be doing this no matter what is going on in the rest of your life. Keep up putting mm-hmm. videos out. For example, when I had my first son, I learned that I should probably prepare in advance because I have no idea what is going to happen after he's born. I don't want my business to fall flat. So I worked my butt off (laughs) for my whole pregnancy to record five months worth of YouTube videos, six or seven months worth of 
Fearless Fluency Club whole courses in advance. Everything was scheduled. Every email was scheduled to go out. It was crazy. And then when my second son was born during that pregnancy, that was a whole nother animal because we've got a toddler all of a sudden. How do you balance all of that to try to do it? So it was a lot harder to get ahead and do that. But we got about eight months ahead in YouTube and in uh, the Fearless Fluency Club because I figured it would just be even crazier to have two children and try to restart working. So having that motivation and kind of looking ahead, what's going to be happening in my life? Am I going to go on vacation next month and I need a week where I'm not doing anything? Okay, I need to make a video to prepare for that time and prioritizing it because I want to be consistent. I want this to always happen despite life circumstances. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I've missed a week in a long time. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> For, um, yeah, then the, fi- the final question is wh- what are some of the most important things that you've learned from uh, like the business side of, of Speak English with Vanessa? I mean, yes, you need to have traffic and you have this huge YouTube channel, but then you also, you need, you need to send this traffic into a, a system where yeah. it eventually converts and, you know, how you sell people and get them into courses and all that kind of stuff. So what are some of the most important business lessons that you have learned? I mean, you were talking about email marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, what about things like, um, like copywriting or like yeah. are, there, are there some of some other skills that you think are really important that people should not, not forget? Yeah, absolutely. Writing is essential. I never thought that I would basically be writing for my job, but that is almost, I'd say that's probably 80% of what I do is writing, writing YouTube videos, writing emails, writing course material. If you don't like writing, <laughs> then, you know, it needs to be something that you grow as a skill because when I write an email, uh, I don't worry about, of course, I want to be grammatically accurate and all of that, but I'm, the most important thing is I want it to feel like you're listening to the way that I speak, yeah. which for me is the easiest way to write because it's not super formal. It's not contrived. It's just, oh, well, guess what would happen next? Well, if you heard this, then this. It's just very casual so they can hear you while they're reading yeah. and it's almost as if they're watching one of your videos or they're in one of your courses so it's creating that feeling of this is from Vanessa so even though at the moment um, I have a couple my husband works with me but I also have like a video editor of a email assistant who helps to check my email and filter that stuff so that I see the stuff I need to respond to mm-hmm. but I still write like all of the important emails that go out, all the newsletter emails, like that's my voice. And yeah. I think that some people don't want their face or their themselves to be the business, but at least in the English teaching sphere online, sometimes that's the thing that's going to make you stand out is just yeah. yourself <laughs> yeah. personally. And not that I'm any kind of like standout amazing person. I'm just different than the other people. So yeah. each person is different and that's kind of... Hmm. Yeah, your thing with writing. <laughs> yeah. Any final tips for entrepreneurs who want to get started? Just do it. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people get hung up on what's my specific niche? Am I teaching Korean businessmen, business English? Like, put out some stuff and see what people feel is Responsive, best for them. Yeah. 
yeah, what works. And that's how you can figure out what kind of courses to yeah. create or if you want to teach Skype, like it's going to constantly evolve. Yeah. But it's always a challenge, started. right? To, to, to prepare or to think about what you're going to do, but not to not overthink. Yeah. Uh, there's too many people who overthink it and never get started. But sometimes, you know, you get the best ideas or, you know, you really get a good idea of who you want to help, who you want to serve and how you can, how you can be better than your competition when you yeah. actually start doing stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't need to be great. I'm awful with like analytics and all of that. You don't have to be great with that stuff. <laughs> Just try to, you know, put out something and see what happens and kind of get past that first hurdle is a big step. Thank you, Vanessa. If we want to follow you, if, if you want to get in touch with you personally, how can we, how can we reach you? How can we find you? Yes, um, you can go to my website, speakenglishwithvanessa.com or check out my YouTube channel with the same name. Sure, we will do that. Thank you, Vanessa. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.